Hi. So in this session, we're going to be looking at the principle of single-mindedness. Now, I'm sure most of you would be able to guess that we get this principle from its negative uh, in the book of James, which is known as double-mindedness. So James writes that a double-minded man will be unstable in all his ways. And so the principle we're mining from this is the principle of single-mindedness, so that we counter double-mindedness and then are not unstable in all our ways. Um, we can also, if you want, you can think of this as the principle of, of wisdom, but we've opted for the name, the principle of single-mindedness, because it's more directly the opposite of double-mindedness, and so probably easier to remember. Um, right, so I think first things first, let's go to the scripture, read it together, and then we'll kind of explore what we're looking at. Uh, so we can all go to James chapter 1, and I'm going to read for us from verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. Okay, so just a note in here. Already we see, and this is going to be true throughout the rest of the letter that James writes, is that uh, wisdom, double-mindedness, this whole concept, especially what he's writing about in this first paragraph, is very directly related to and correlated to the substance of faith. So for those who do not fellowship with us on a regular basis, it would be a good idea to go and look at Hebrews chapter 11, specifically verse 1, where faith is defined, but then also at the rest of the chapter that defines faith together with the first verse. And it would also probably not be a bad idea to go look at some of the teachings that we have done on faith. But for those who are more familiar with the truth of faith, obviously we see the strong correlation with that here. So let me continue. I'm going to pick it up again at the beginning of verse 6. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, at this stage, I think it would be prudent to take a moment and just kind of try to feel the weight of what he's saying here in the last verse of instable, unstable in all his ways. Now, I think what we'll do first is just look at the his ways part. So unstable, but in all his ways. Now, this isn't just our actions or the way we go through our day uh, instability there. What this is actually referring to is a path or a road. So that's why the word is specifically ways. Now, we know that our faith journey is depicted as a road, a road of righteousness, quite specifically. And we have done righteousness, where righteousness is the straight path that was first walked out, authored, and finished by Messiah himself, so that the rest of the body can also walk out the straight road the way that he ordained it and authored it. But then also as well as the straight road for our lives. So we know that within the context of the body and within the context of Messiah and God's perfect will and plan, 
there is the straight road that he has uh, predestined for our lives to walk out. And so if we look at this piece of scripture, and it says a double-minded man, double-minded man, will be unstable in all his ways, then actually this kind of instability we're looking at means that a person would actually eventually not be walking the road that has been set before him or her by God. I think it's very important to understand that a lot of believers that come to faith mm. might look like they are walking the path, the road. Yes. Now we've got to understand that this life road is supposed to lead to, just like any journey, if you go on a journey, mm. okay, for those that are South Africans, if you only a fool would take a trip within the surrounding area of the Karoo to visit different places. If you live in the Karoo and you decide I'm just going to go on a trip and go to a different part of the Karoo, or if you live in the Sahara Desert and you have the <laughs> well, option to go anywhere, uh, to go anywhere for a holiday, and you opt to go to another part of the Sahara Desert that looks like <laughs> your own place, that would be foolish. Now, what I'm trying to say is, a believer that is traveling on that narrow road of God's will will see scenery change. Yes. Will see circumstances change. They will experience real change uh, observable in their lives in their activities in uh, how they live life what they do uh, and so forth now there might be a season of a year or two in the beginning or three or four where they're learning to walk the road mm -hmm. the Lord isn't going to allow them to walk down the road uh, to where the next big challenge is that they can only where they, they were only supposed to be mature enough to meet with meet the challenge in a year's time if yeah. they did well. Yes. You see, he's not going to allow them to go there. So they might be walking up and down, very much like people in lockdown running around their houses <laughs> right now. Um, but we've got to understand when they're walking up and down, feels like movement. Because you're not arriving anywhere. Yes. And you're not well, actually Well, even walking in a circle, you're moving, but you're not moving forward. And so that's why sorting out double-mindedness in the beginning of a walk is extremely important. Yes. Okay. So, continue for us. Okay. So now, um, let's look at this. So double-mindedness, believe it or not has many different aspects and facets and manifestations. Now, the one that's probably most common and that we deal with most often is the perceived inability to make decisions. So, I can't decide or I'm procrastinating a decision that I know I have to make or why do I so often feel that I don't know what the right decision is to make? How do I make these decisions quicker? How do I make them faster? How do I know what's the right way to approach all everything that goes with indecisiveness, basically? Um, 
But we'd like to just take a moment and say this, that indecisiveness is not double-mindedness. It forms part of double-mindedness, but it is not double-mindedness. There's different manifestations and different characteristics yes. to so, double-mindedness. Yes, so we don't want to yeah. confine double-mindedness to indecisiveness. It can manifest in that way, but it's not only that. Okay, now the reason we say this is um, actually when you look at the word unstable. Now this is where it gets quite interesting. So the word unstable, uh, you can go look what the Greek original word is for that. I don't have that on me at the moment. But um, it's quite closely related. Uh, probably the best synonym for, for the word unstable would be anarchic or anarchic. Now, anarchic is a word that I had to also look up, and it actually means, it's an adjective that means with no controlling rules or principles to give order. I'm going to repeat that because it makes a lot of sense, you'll see. So, anarchic means with no controlling rules or principles to give order. Right, now I'm sure, so unstability or instability that this is talking about obviously also has many different facets and manifestations within our lives. Now, to kind of start bringing this together, when we think of our early walks from baptism, early, early walks, um, because of our lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, you know, we're getting into things, everything is new, because of our lack of knowledge and understanding of God's principles and of God's ways, we are aware of the fact that the road is quite unstable. It's difficult to stay on the road, difficult to you know, stay on the straight and narrow. And we do need a lot of God's direct input. The more we get to know his principles, the more we get to know his ways, understand his ways and walk out his ways in a steadfast manner, the more stable our lives become, the more stable our walk becomes, the more stable our relationship with God becomes and our relationships with each other. Um, I'm sure if all of us think back prior to baptism, prior to, you know, coming into truth, um, you know, it might seem that we had quite stable families, stable households, stable lives, a stable income, all of that, you know, there might be a sense of stability, but a wise person who really looks at things for what they are, I'm sure we'd all be able to identify uh, a substance of instability in lives, in our lives, without that lack, the ways and the principles and the rules, the governance of, of God. Um, I don't know if you want to take it from there, expand more on that. It's easy to have a false sense of stability when you're not actually on a journey somewhere. And so often people think there's a perceived uh, stability in their lives so that they cannot perceive the instability just because they keep returning to the same position, the same mm. place, the same actions. Mm. Unfortunately, or fortunately, very fortunately for a believer, that um, the truth is that we are not required to remain stationary. Mm. Um, the Lord is leading us somewhere. There's a purpose there's a destiny, there's predestination, and there is a goal. There's mm. a destination, a destiny. And so um, that's why 
And when a person starts walking this faith road, it could almost seem like they become more unstable because they're not required to just uh, fly out of the tree that they live in, <laughs> go catch a road and fly back into the tree like a, an eagle or an owl. Mm. And they're going to live out their lives more or less uh, in the same patch of trees. We're on a journey. The road is leading us away from where we were mm. and in the direction of somewhere else. Okay, so let's just have a look at this concept of instability. Um, actually, if you look at the Greek, the idea of an unstable man is, uh, or a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways has the idea of a person having two personas. So two different people on the inside. It's a de-psychos. So two psychos, if you will. So yeah. it would be like two-spirited. Can you write it on the board for us? Yes. De-psychos. Now you see, we're going to look at this, de-psychos. It is the picture or the idea of a person, so double-mindedness, a person having two personas on the inside. Just want to focus on the word. <laughs> now, because the P is silent in psycho, we um, have to say it like it's supposed to be said, dipsychos, but I'm going to coin a new word for <laughs> that type of person. It's a dipsycho. <laughs> you can go make the connections yourself. A dipsycho. From now on, a double-minded person um, will be called a dipsycho. Um, and so, I think it's a very good word for such a person. Now, we're going to very quickly, very clearly sum up what we're looking at. So I think before we go there, I just want to point out, um, maybe just to make this connection. So we said the instability can be linked with the lack of controlling rules or principles to give order. Now we said the most common, probably most common manifestation or aspect of double-mindedness is indecisiveness. And we just want to clarify this stage and just make it very clear. Uh, Indecisiveness, if one has been discipled and walking this road, is actually not the inability to make decisions. It's, it becomes the unwillingness to make decisions. The unwillingness. It's um, actually what's happening. Yeah. So for those of us that have been struggling and dealing with this dynamic of, um, I, I don't know which decisions to make, I can't make the right decisions, I never feel like I make the right decisions... Mm. It's uh, an, uh, firstly an unwillingness mm. to make the right decision. Why? The reality is that um, double-mindedness stems from having two sets of principles. The worldly set, uh, principles and the godly or kingdom principles, biblical principles. Mm. Or the lack of any. But obviously because yeah. we're a discipleship, all of us disciples, we're focusing on this. So, so, obviously, in the world, double-mindedness would come from the lack of biblical principles. But in our situation as believers, um, when we deal with double-mindedness, 
And remember, this letter in James is written to the church. Exactly. So a person that is already asking, he says, ask God for wisdom. Mm. God will give it. Mm -hmm. Then he says, but ask in faith. Yes. And he says, now, if a person doesn't ask in faith, he will receive nothing from God. And now, he is saying that such a person is like a wave of the ocean tossed uh, from one side to the other. And he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, a double-minded man is, we could translate it as double-standard man. A person with two sets of principles, but it basically goes even deeper than that. Double-mindedness is caused by a double set of motivations. Yes. Now, this is where you want to focus if you want to understand this dynamic, this principle. When you have a double set of motivations, a person could be seemingly be doing the right thing, but from a selfish motivation, mm. a motivation to, um, to benefit self, to uh, advance oneself. Um, this will lead to a legalistic mm. uh, disp uh, disposition. A person could be doing the right thing to receive reward mm. from this. This will automatically cause a, a substance of double-mindedness because then the double-mindedness will uh, display itself as how much should I do? Yes. Did I do enough? Did I not do enough? Did I do it right? Did I not do it right? When, if our motivations and our hearts are just to adhere to the principles, mm. to obey the word of God, to seek the will of God so that we can advance on that road by the will of God. And um, this is where we see a freedom in the walk. A single-mindedness can be established and... Uh, cultivated when we basically just want to advance on uh, the road that God has prepared according to his plan and his will mm. regardless of the people around us we'll love them serve them mm. but we don't need to uh, we don't need their approval mm. we don't need need their love we will live in a loving relationship with them mm. but we don't need to be loved by them because we are loved by God um, and we don't need to advance or advance ourselves or gain the attention of others on us. Mm. Now, I want to, I want to make this very clear. This double-minded substance. Mm. For most people that have it, it's very difficult to identify because they normally want to keep something that they consider to be good True. in the same place the same treasure chest mm. as the principles of God. Mm. So usually it doesn't look like a set of evil things. Just there's something else that we also want to hang on to. Some mm. idea of ourselves when we were children, some mm. idea of what um, our picture world or family or identity would look like. Mm. Yeah, it's usually, like you said, it's usually not an evil thing, especially for believers. Yeah. You know? Okay, so let's go to Second Kings. Mm. 
In, in trying to understand double-mindedness and single-mindedness, we go to Second Kings. And here, um, in chapter 17, um, it's written that... Now, it's talking about the other nations that resettles Samaria. The Assyria resettles Samaria. Other nations came and lived on the land. Interesting thing, it says that in verse 33, they feared the Lord, Yahweh yet served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. Then, in verse 41, it says, So these nations feared the Lord, um, yet served their carved Im images, also their children and, and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. It says in the previous verse that, um, But the Lord your God you shall fear, and He will deliver you from the hand of your enemies. However, they did not obey, for they followed their former rituals. Mm. So this gives us a picture of this state of being. Um, a lot of people love God and they want to serve God. Yes. And obey God. Yes. But they don't want to give up on their former rituals, <coughs> their former ideas. Mm. So let's put this plainly. Double-mindedness is caused, is the result of two sets of gods or two gods. Idols in the holy place. This is what it looks like. I have to make a decision about a small everyday life aspect. But the most motivations in my heart will not allow me to make a very clear and decisive mm. decision according because to the ways of God and the principles of mm. the Word of God because there's something else that is weighing in on my decision-making process. Possibly another set of principles. That's it. That's as easy as it gets. Now, if the psychos means that we have two people on the inside, two personas, two minds, double-minded, okay? And it says that such a person will be unstable in all his ways. With other words, the road that he's walking, the way he's going to walk his road in uh, the outcome will be evidence that he was not single-minded. Mm. <laughs> it's becoming very clear to understand. We've got this, this laser pointer, right? Okay, so this is a laser pointer. It can only shine in one direction. It is by the nature of this thing that's what's going to happen. I'm going to try and split it in two. Okay. Now, this <laughs> is what we want to develop. A mindset that is basically on point. Okay. All we have to do is where do I fo focus my sight and my mindset? And that's single-mindedness. And once I have decided, I stick to my decision. We're not talking about being unrepentant. No. 
Obviously not. And being unteachable. That's not it. Now, very importantly, I don't want to make this too long. I want to close this teaching off. Um, If you go have a look at the whole recourse in the book of James, he's going to encourage us that um, we should ask God for wisdom. Mm. Then we should respond in faith. Yes. And if we do not respond in faith, we'll be like a wave that's tossed in every direction. And a double-minded man will get nothing from God. Somebody that doubts will get nothing from God. Now, what do we doubt in? It's connected to faith. The ultimate outcome of all God's will and His work, as it pertains to my life, but my life is only significant in God's will because it's connected to the perfect will that God has for the body. Mm. So out of the an outflow of God's perfect will, intention, and um, predestination for the body, as an outflow, I have a destiny and a predestined life mm-hmm. that's connected to the body. That is God's perfect will, and that forms a very straight and narrow road because God only has a very specific will. Now, as long as we adhere to the example that Yahushua gave us, we should be able to weed out and overcome all double-mindedness. It says this, that he only did what he saw the Father do. He only spoke what the Father gave him to speak. And this ultimately becomes our goal. Now, from new believer to overcoming believer, there's a little process that's needed. Firstly, in order to move from being double-minded like the rest of the world to a single-minded, wise believer, firstly, a person would have to decide on the discipleship process. In other words, who's going to disciple me? Mm. How am I going to allow myself to be, to be discipled? According to what? So... Single-mindedness will come out of devotion to the Scriptures. Our own time spent in getting to know the Scriptures, Mm. getting to understand the Scriptures, getting to implement the Scriptures. Now, a person that tries to do this on their own will never do well. Mm. It has to be in relation to the body. Yes. And when we're talking about that walk and discipleship in relation to the body, it has to be in relation to the fivefold ministry overseeing, guiding, and leading the body on that road. Now, it's very important for any believer to decide upon, firstly, a devoted life to the Word of God so that there will be a growth and increase in understanding the Word of God. Mm. Then, replacing whatever is understood to be true in the Word of God, replacing that, um, or replacing whatever was there before with what is true in the Word of God. You can't just grow in the knowledge of the Word of God, but not replace what was there before. Otherwise, you will end up with two sets of principles and governing factors. That's it. Now, let's go to 1 Kings. Can you read 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21 for us? Yes. Okay, so 1 Kings chapter 18, Um, I'm going to read verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, 
How long will you falter between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Now the average believer will say, well, I know Yahweh is God. Obviously. But faltering between two opinions is often where the problem comes in. Yes. Um, that's why we advocate very strongly. Um, one of the first steps of discipleship is uh, reorganize your priorities forcefully. Yes. All other things must come second to the will of God in your life. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people struggle in this step. It's mm -hmm. very important to accomplish this step. And then, start getting rid of whatever was in the mind before. Because that's going to be the two standards yes. that we will oscillate between. Mm. Um, I'm still amazed at, at some believers that's been believers for years and pastors that's been pastors for many years that know the truth in the Word, but they are just unwilling to accept all the truth in the mm. Word. They are insist on hanging on to one or two um, uh, traditional doctrines or ideas that's mm. just not biblical. And uh, this actually causes them to have to return to some previous yes. point on the road. Double-mindedness will have this very discernible and measurable effect. person will advance in certain areas and do well in certain areas, but they will always have to return to a certain point. They don't seem to be able to continue from one point to the, the next, uh, point A to point B, point B to point C, C point C to point yeah. D. They will go point A to point B, maybe even B to C, then back to point A or back to point B all the time. A back and forth movement where there's actually a very clear cause of this. This is how we identify that such a person is double-minded. Mm. So I um, think mm. maybe just to finish off, can you take us back to, you said that obviously in the book of James, we see that James does center most of what he writes or the letter that he writes around faith. And mm. faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but the, the substance of New Jerusalem, Messiah, the body, resurrection, glory, all of that. And just the, the weighing process that goes with that um, in double-mindedness, if you can just explain that. So, so this is what it looks like. So we know that in the, uh, the principle of beginning and end, we have a point A. We have a starting point for our thoughts, for our next move, for our decisions, for our actions. And it has to have an outcome, point A to point B. What I'm going to think, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. Point A to point B. So there's a completion of something. There's a purpose, so it has a starting point. And when I, when I continue in the purpose, I will have a completion of the purpose. Now, life has this, a point A and a point B, and point B being exactly what faith is. Faith is the finished work of God revealed. In the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it calls it New Jerusalem, the city and the homeland that was prepared for us. And so we're not thinking of going back to Egypt. We are uh, on a journey into the promises of God, the mm. promised land. And this, for us, is New Jerusalem. Now, in decision-making, Double-mindedness will come out not just in a, in a difficulty making decisions, mm. um, 
it will come out in contradicting, contradicting ourselves in what we say, what we think. So that inner uh, struggle mm. comes to the fore. So a person actually disagrees with themselves. Yes, either in word or action. Now, you can, you can keep your eyes on somebody that has a double-minded streak. Something will come into their lives that will cause them to waver between what God has for them and what this thing is offering them. Then this thing will go out of their lives, it will change form. Mm. And then the next thing will come in. Mm. And then the next thing after that. So it will not always be the same thing. But somehow, uh, a double-minded person are always choosing between something and God. And God, yes. And they'll always be saying they choose God, definitely. But their actions show that they are actually looking over their shoulder, waiting, going back, tarrying, not moving forward on the road because of there's something else as well. I want this to be God's will for me, mm. but it's just not. And so uh, when we keep in mind that the finished work of God, me having been called according to His election, uh, alive uh, according to everlasting life in Messiah, as part of, of the glory cloud, the body that is New Jerusalem, the bride, part of that. Um, my life and all the aspects of my life leading to the, that outcome, that destiny, that goal. I take whatever I have to consider mm. right now, put it on the scale, and I want to weigh that against what God has prepared for me. God's perfect will and His finished work, His sacrifice, victory, and His promise, uh, the hope that is stored up for us in heaven, that we want to weigh up against this thing and that thing, whatever comes into our lives and seems to matter right now. And that is the substance of double-mindedness. Mm. It is actually just the psychos. So single-mindedness is looking, not moving, but very quickly looking at where is the clearest vantage point, the clearest, clearest uh, vision point, uh, the straight line mm. right to Messiah in eternity and me with the body in Messiah. And then I fix my gaze upon it, single-mindedness, a singular vision. Mm. And I move in that direction even if it looks like the hardest road to take. Even if it's the most difficult that seems to have the most obstacles. But I'm going to keep my focus and I will not divert my gaze from that which should be my focal point at all times. Now in any decision making process, the kingdom of God, the body of God comes first. So if we have to decide between our child's sports on a Sunday morning or being together with the body for discipling, it should be a no-brainer. If, if you have to make that decision. If it's something to consider, to if think you're even about. Considering, if you're even considering going to the kiddies party. Instead of. Instead of the kingdom thing. 
the thing that's obviously it doesn't have to be extraordinary out of the ordinary it doesn't have to be evil it just has to be a, whatever the body and god is busy with what is the f- next point next appointment on the road for me and if something else has to be weighed up against that and you considering weighing it up then just stop and go okay this is the psychos two of me want something the godly me want what god has ordained and the other me wants what my family wants wants what my friends want wants what i want want what i want want what my husband or my wife want and um these now become the tempters and uh if another person is a tempter in your life treat him like satan and uh James will make it very clear. In this scripture is also dealing with double-mindedness. It's chapter 4 of James, it's verse 7. Therefore submit to God. Now whenever we are dealing with decision making and we feel the onset of double-mindedness, this is hard works. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. So rectify the actions mm. and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So rectify the action, rectify the motivation in the heart, purify the heart, you double-minded. Rectify the action, purify the heart, correct the double-mindedness. and this is how we become a single single minded believer amen